0: So Hi guys, it's Tiff yet again. Welcome to this episode. It's cold outside but this episode is going to be hot because we're having a guest who's going to answer our questions regarding design recruitment, I mean recruitment for design jobs. So I'm really excited. I'm not really good with intros but could you could you give yourself your own intro and introduce yourself to us and tell us more about yourself, what you do for a living and how you serve humanity.
1: All right, thank you so much. Um, my name is Cavendish Mwangi. I am a lady who wears many different hats, but for now you can say that I'm mainly in the recruiting industry, recruiting um, tech talent, and that also tends to involve design talent as well. Wow. Um, Aside from that, I am also a designer and a UX researcher, so I have a bit of background in regards to that. Cool. And um, like throughout my life, I've tried many different things, and I think that has instrumentally, you know, taught me and given me diverse skills that have helped me to navigate um, this 21st century. So
0: yeah, in a nutshell, that's me. (laughs) Wow, that nutshell is big. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, thank you. Cool. And that's really nice because I've been having like in our community we've been having so many conversations around around landing jobs. And mm-hmm. these days it's just kind of like a gambling kind of game. Because we're wondering, number one, like mm-hmm. why like you come to an interview, you do an interview whether it's online or, for example, a face to face. Then, mm-hmm. a few weeks later, you see the same job being re-advertised. Mm-hmm. That leaves us very confused and hurt. Is it our fault? Like, what happens behind that kind of cutting? What happens? Um, I think I could
1: say. One of the issues is mostly communication, mm-hmm. because there's a kind of like some reporters not really being commu- being forward or communicating frequently with candidates with regards to like the status of the application, right? Because sometimes you may find that you're applying for a job, mm-hmm. but then if you didn't qualify for it for different reasons, they still don't inform you that you do not qualify for your job, and these are the reasons. So that at least you have data points that you can work towards for your next next application, right? Because um in as much as we may not like it, suggestions are always gonna be there and they're gonna be different reasons. Maybe the hiring managers in that company did not see you fit enough or they did not see that you fit into your culture. So they decided to forgo you. But then it's the responsibility of the recruiter to come and inform the candidate that you either um went to the next stage or you did not and these are the reasons. So sometimes the reasons why you find Um, people not really like feeling like it's sort of a gamble right now is the fact that recruiters especially locally in the African continent don't tend to really communicate a lot with their candidates with regards to um, especially those who didn't manage to get to the next level they don't tend to communicate with them they just leave them hungry so you either have to find out for yourself um, whether the opening is still there or like what really happened and So the problem, the main issue is communication between the recruiter and the candidate who really didn't make it or didn't manage to
0: go to the next stage of the interview. Wow, that's a really good answer because, hey, we are left hanging out here. Imagine you mm-hmm. apply for a job, you need prayed for it, you did the interview. <laughs> then sometimes they're enough you know, you guys are cautious enough to tell us. Oh, unfortunately, we didn't. We went ahead with another candidate. or unfortunately, you did not fit this position. Mm-hmm. Then the next day or the next week, you find the same job being advertised and listed. It. It's very confusing, yeah. but at least you've ironed it out.
1: It's mm-hmm. a communication
0: yeah. issue altogether. Yes, and you know, it also tends to affect the
1: relationship that recruiters um, build with the candidates that they're looking for. Because if you're the kind of recruiter who always leaves candidates hanging, I don't think the same candidates would like it if you ever approach them with a certain opportunity, right? Because they have the hesitation that you're going to end up leaving them hanging high and dry. They do not qualify for it. But those recruiters who who are always in the habit of, you know, being in communication with the candidates and updating them on this and that, those are the kind of recruiters that candidates tend to gain some level of trust, and they are always open to them in the event that they reach out to them with like certain opportunities. So I think that's something
0: that you know recruiters should also be aware of. And as they a designer, dis- oh okay, okay. And as a designer, like if I mm-hmm. see a job being advertised, is it a warning bell? Stay away, or should I just take my chance and reapply? Um, I've had someone ask me this
1: question again, but it was more from like a a software developer's job. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, I'm always, I'm always advocating for people to try again, right? Because you may never know if they are working with a different recruiter. Because sometimes these companies usually work with different agencies. So, so you may apply again, and your application may land to, on a different agency as a recruiter who may look or analyze your profile differently than the other one. So I'm always, um, you know, encouraging people to like reapply if you really want the job. Just reapply for it. Like, cool. Um, if, yeah, if you did not get any updates before regards to your status, just apply on, um, for it. Maybe even this time around, the internal team itself are the ones that get to go through the profiles directly and not necessarily the recruiter. It's always good to give it another shot. You may never know what happened.
0: Cool. So we've landed the interview. Or first of all, let's just take a step back. We are applying mm-hmm. for the job. We've seen mm-hmm. the requirements. And sometimes mm-hmm. those requirements are, a. Hey, you just look at them and you're like, what? You have the skill but sometimes the experience is like a mismatch. Like Mm -hmm. there's someone who asked, why do Mm -hmm. you ask for two to three years experience for an entry level designer? And someone Mm -hmm. else seconded that question by bringing up a different question in that same nature. Mm -hmm. Why do recruiters ask for anywhere between three and five years of experience for an entry level job? Mm -hmm. Like you have the skill, and it's an entry-level job it doesn't make sense isn't that room for growth and development um, so I'll
1: answer it like this based mm-hmm. on what I've observed so far uh-huh. there are a number of reasons why an entry job requires like a certain number of years of experience mm-hmm. um, so first of all listing years of experience requirements usually help employers to narrow the job applicant pool right because in a normal scenario, if a company posts entry level jobs requiring zero experience, they mm-hmm. get flooded or they could get flooded with unqualified applicants, among some of which, whom of them do not even know the first thing about the industry, right? So, there is the first reason they usually do that is to help them to narrow the job applicant pool. And then, secondly, the definition of entry level it varies from job to job, um, company to company, and industry to industry, right? So, to some yeah. companies, an entry-level applicant should come with some experience, so that can be an internship or like a project that you did on your own. Others may be more willing to hire someone with literally no experience. So it's all pretty subjective. Um, it's just how like the current state um, of it is. But if, just because you're finding that some companies require someone to have like some level of years of experience doesn't mean there aren't companies that are open to taking you in, um, in with no experience at all. And the truth is chances are you have more experience that you actually, than you actually do because people always ask how will I get how do I, how then do I get employed or hired if I have no experience But the truth is you have more experience than you actually do because sometimes think, time to think of it, before you even apply maybe for a formal job, um when you were carrying out or when you were ta- undertaking a degree, you either went for industrial attachment or you happened to, you know, get an internship um, after you were done in school, or you volunteered in a certain company, even though it's without pay, and gained uh, some level of experience. Or you you did like lead some sort of organization or community, or you even like currently you do lead some um, organization or community in like the, the design industry. Maybe you, you help you are one of the people that leads maybe like the Figma community or the trailer community or just any community that is in the design space, however small it is, these are some of the things that you can use um, or talk about when you're applying for these jobs. Um, even when you feel like you don't really have years of experience, right? Because then um some of these employers they're not usually like really strict. They just want to see that you have something to offer not just coming and saying that I'm here, I want a job, but then you have nothing to attest with. But oh, so they're not going to just take you in and be like, start doing this and start doing that without really knowing what have you tried out there before, and then see how can I use that to see where I can put in the company and help you you know, like gain the best kind of experience for your career, right?
0: Yeah, so, yeah I think I'm catching your drift. Because it's bringing a scenario in my head, like I'll talk from a personal perspective. I didn't go Mm -hmm. to school, like design school, I'm Mm self-taught and I transitioned from another, like another field of expertise. And Mm -hmm. someone calls me for an interview and they're like, they want experience, someone who's experienced in design. Okay, Mm -hmm. I landed the interview and I have no idea what I'll I'll tell them on my mm-hmm. experience, which is design related, because I think when you approach an interview which is of this nature, you're talking about your skill set as a designer, right? Like if yes. I'm doing yeah. So in that kind of scenario, what do I do? What do I say? Uh-huh. So for that kind of a
1: scenario, mm-hmm. it usually serves you best if you go in like a portfolio cool right?
0: cool yeah like
1: personal projects that you have done
0: mm-hmm.
1: um because like even for me based on my experience i didn't go to design school in uni i studied computer science and then i died into software development well yeah i thought <laughs> So I discovered design was kind of my thing. So now I went into design. Like full nice. full, full throttle. i just started doing like my own personal projects, reached out to like different people to like you know, just design like um, solutions for them for free, just to like gain my own experience. Then when someone reached out to me with uh, with a design job opportunity. The only thing that I had that I could show them was my portfolio, right? And that's where they saw like a potential and gave me a chance to, you know, to have um, an interview, right? So I could say if you don't have something else to show, like tangible, um, the best bet that I could um, advocate for is portfolio, and that is something that a lot of us as recruiters we always look for, because a resume or your LinkedIn profile won't really say much. It will it will sell you to some point but if you have a portfolio
0: it sells you even more. Because so they can see your skill set as a designer and your way of exactly. thinking and process. Cool. Exactly, exactly. So
1: like the portfolio is a really, really um, important part of you as a designer because it gets to show um, to showcase about you, how you work, the projects that you've worked on and
0: essentially like what you do right yeah yeah. okay second question before I ask more uh, before we dive deeper into the portfolio stuff there's Mm -hmm. this issue like when you're applying for a job and the requirements you find Mm -hmm. that that looking for for someone for example a web designer or a UI designer and expected Mm -hmm. to know code expected Mm -hmm. to know graphic design you're expected to know some some positions it even goes like, if you're a graphic designer, you need to know video editing. Like, why do I need to know code as a designer? Let's just start from there. Okay. okay. Like these horrendous sometimes, I'll not say like for code, I understand somehow, but you'll just tell us why. But there's uh-huh. some requirements you're like, am I, am I applying for a user experience job or am i applying for a graphic designer job sometimes the mm. lens are so blurry you get confused
1: yeah yeah right I understand what you mean I understand what you mean I think as uh, most most of the time um, the job that you require like one to have a bit of coding knowledge is more of the UI UX um, design roles um, as compared to like the graphic jobs, the graphic jobs are the ones that you, I usually see. Like is, and nice to have is being able to to have like video editing skills, and I'll dive the I'll dive into that. But let's talk on why um, these UX/UI designer roles usually like it if someone has a bit of coding knowledge. So if you if you're designing a digital product, you're going to be working closely with software developers. Right, because apart uh, when you're actually designing products, there is the normal process where you do your sketching and then you do your framing, and then you create your high, your low fidelity, your mid fidelity, and your high fidelity yeah. screens, right? Yeah. But then that's really mostly for like showcasing your the the, the vision of the customer, like, trying to like bring it into fruition.
0: Yeah. So when the
1: client approves the design, there is another design phase that we proceed to, that it's called developmental design. So this is where you create your designs for development purpose. Now this is where having some knowledge of coding um, can really do do you a huge favor. Because you are going to be designing, having a basic understanding of how this product is actually going to be built using code, right? And um, like a basic understanding of code and like software architecture constraints it makes for smoother collaboration with de, with developers. Because in the past, like based on my experience, I've seen like some sort of collision between designers and developers. Because so either designers are creating like really good, fancy looking designs, but then when it reaches a point where the developers have to build them, they, there is a lot of issues in terms of really making those designs, those really making the product look as it was designed by developers. And sometimes it's because of the fact that either one person doesn't really have a bit of understanding in terms of how what he or she is is going to be implemented through code um, and vice versa, right? So that is one of the reasons why it's usually a good thing if a developer, if a designer has a bit of knowledge. They don't really have to know how to code, right? But they need to have some sort of knowledge to really like make, make it easier for them to. Collaborate with software developers and for them to have a smoother designer to develop a handover process. Um, that is what I should say. And then another thing is um, having knowledge on coding may also come in handy for conveying your ideas, um, prototyping a responsive design, or inputting minor website changes in response to real time A B testing or like business intelligence. Because sometimes when you when a product is built um the ab testing is usually de- delegated more to the designers so in the event where you do like this ab testing and you get back results if you have knowledge on coding you can be able to go and implement the small minor changes without you really having to involve the developer in that process so these are just some of the reasons why um it's really a good thing if in- A designer knows how to code,
0: or has some sort of knowledge about coding. Yeah, I think that's a convincing reason why we should start learning code, and not just pass those links that take us to learn for free coding stuff. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. So and that doesn't have to be like
1: the deep coding, but basic HTML, CSS, JavaScript. Because those are the the HTML, CSS, JavaScript. That is what encompasses the front end development, which ties to like design. The back end stuff, um, we are not really involved in that. So when you talk about coding, it's mostly like just having a basic understanding of HTML, CSS, and basics. So yeah.
0: Mm. And on the side, are you actually hearing me? It's raining over here. Yeah, I can hear the just a bit of shower on the background, but oh. I can, your audio is totally fine. It's not affecting. Okay, cool. So another question: when you're up, when we are applying, you get mm-hmm. to see that we are required to work under pressure. Why? Like it's a requirement. Can you, you should be able to work under pressure? Oh, okay, okay. I think
1: I understand what you mean. Yeah. So the, the the truth is, even though um jobs say that you're required to work under pressure, it doesn't mean that the pressure is gonna be there all the time. Oh. The truth is, many jobs involve moments when, for valid reasons unexpected situations, occur and a good decision is made. Right. So the ability to um to stay calm to to think logically and to act correctly in such a scenario is a major asset for any employee. And like in addition, you know, being able to convince a professional employer that you can do a good job under pressure, it helps suggest that you have other qualities, like problem-solving abilities, you quick know, decision making um, organizational and time management skills, and that can help set you apart from other candidates. Kind of I know this whole, like, working under pressure thing has been, Coined as being like creating like a toxic workplace environment, but based on my experience working in companies, the under pressure is not really all the time. It's only that sometimes you may find a situation where there's a bit of pressure, but then you just have to learn how to adapt. So sometimes these events are inevitable, but that doesn't mean like it's an everyday thing, you're working in a professional everyday thing. I think for such a scenario, then maybe you could find that as a toxic environment. Right, because maybe that company doesn't really have a good structure when it comes to people working on staff. But I can, I can fully, um, you know, like admit that the whole pressure thing doesn't happen all the time. It's only that, um, they're just trying to say that in the event
0: that it happens, can you be able to handle it as an employee? Will you you be able to? arrive at the end of the other side safely kind of life that we are sure they need companies need
1: right yes 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 for example let's say for example you're working on a project and then it has a timeline but then the client comes back and makes a, a request in terms of something that needs to be changed immediately maybe they need to do a demo to investors and they want something changed um you know like immediately. Um, like in such situations we might either find that you may have to maybe work a little bit more hours to just help the help the team to, you know, fulfill that request for the client. Right? so like those kind of scenarios are what like employers usually want to be assured that employees can be able to that like, they are they are okay if such scenarios happen. Because no employer wants to be in such a scenario and then the employee would be like, I'm sorry. I don't that's work weekends, like I don't work for side, another kind of stuff. They don't wanna gamble <laughs> with
0: people who have such an attitude. Yeah, that's all. I'd be yeah. scared. I'd be downright scared. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Cool. Another question in terms of, you know, when you're applying mm-hmm. like you expected to write an a fi- like, for example, a 500-word essay as to why I should, why I want to work with you. Is it like me wanting to work with you? Like, I'm mm-hmm. applying, I want to work with you, isn't that enough? Okay, like, I'll admit, like, it's surprising,
1: for me, for me I have visited designers before, but I've never chosen to write an essay, and for other companies that I've seen um, in their hiring process, what well, they do is like, give like a takeaway home assignment, more of, like a design challenge. Right? So they give you like a, a scenario, and then you have to like, design a solution around it. That's the one that I've seen. So these like, ones uh, that they usually ask for essays, uh, unless. Um, Maybe like, the company either has to do something, they have something to do with UX writing. Maybe the company, um, have the services they offer to clients of like copywriting for the products that they, that they have. You see, you know how on websites you have all these different copies, like all yeah, these different checks, yeah, yeah, on the call to action or the different sections of the website. Maybe, unless there's a company that specializes in a special design, if you apply. Um, in such companies, they usually have voice for UX writers. So maybe in such companies, you would expect them to tell you to like write an essay, just to be able to see your writing skills and be able to see um, like how is your storytelling technique, like what's your level, is it good, does it need improvement, and etc. But it's not like a thing that I see in a lot of companies. So it was, it was an interesting thing to see, but then when I thought about it, it makes sense, um, depending on like, the kind of design agency it is. If it's a design agency where they are looking for a UX writer, or if you are applying to for a job as a UX writer to a company, like there's an expectation that
0: they may tell you to write an essay just to see you right how how good your writing skills are. And I guess also how you how you communicate. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think you know. Communication is like the heart of human interaction. So, exactly. if your words exactly. are going to touch someone's heart, I think the essay is one of those ways. So, I, I, I think I'm catching it, drift. Yeah. And then the other thing is, as designers,
1: like we, because we're the ones who are usually at the such point where we are connecting or communicating with users, mm-hmm. we are the voice of the user. So. We need to be the voice of the users in terms of like the design we put out, and the and the text and the copy, right? and Yeah, the, the microcopy also, right? Yeah. yeah, it has to it has to relay um to the users. So for example, maybe if you realize that the company is using a lot of technical jargon on the product, if you really understand that users are gonna be confused by like such terminologies, then you get to communicate to them that I don't think users will be able to understand this and this and this you get to, to this right. and So if you have a good understanding of like the English language then like that sounds I think that's maybe that's how they that's how they decide you write down and let's just see how good your
0: copyright skills are. Cool. Yeah. Cool. I think um, I'm, I'm catching a drift. And then something else. Uh-huh. uh what other skills what do you expect when someone is applying for the job outside being a designer? Mm-hmm. Like for example, if I'm applying for a, mostly they call it UI, UX job. Mm-hmm. Like what do you expect me to have?
1: Okay. So yeah. other than design skills, the other skills that are really expected is soft skills. Soft skills matter, right? Because you can learn any tool or build on any skill. But like, on so time, you can be able to, you know, build on a skill and learn to use any design tool. But if you can't fit in with the team, then it's going to be a challenge. So soft skills are very important. Soft skills are what helps you to be able to work with the team and um, fit in in a company culture. Right. So yeah. like when I'm talking of soft skills, it it ties around um, questions like. Can you be like a good consultant with our clients? Can you command a room as a designer? Can you be able to take feedback and critical or are you going to take feedback given to you personally and then end up affecting the rest of the project, right? So it's, it's a very, um it's a very important skill, like the soft skills that um, hiring managers usually look at, because even like for some companies, they usually prefer if you have like 40% skills forty percent skills and then sixty percent culture. They just want to know that you can be able to fit into their culture. Cool. If you're able to fit into your culture, they know that with time you can you know build upon the skills that you have and like just learn like the tools that they use and other kind of stuff. So soft skills are very, very important Because because nobody wants to work with someone who you cannot communicate with, especially as designers, communication is a very, very important skill.
0: It's everything. Because you have to
1: be able to communicate to your fellow designers. You have to be able to communicate to the developers that you're handing the designers over to. And then if you're working with your fellow designers or a lead designer, if they critique your work, you have to be open-minded, take the feedback and see what you can to into and not take things personal. Right? So these So the, these skills are usually like very, very important. And if you're someone who's easy to work with, people are willing to go to an extra month to just help you like understand the tools that they use within the company and offer you resources to help you build on your skills. So such skills are very important
0: and skill that I would say you know, designers should have other than design skills. Cool, and I think I'll mention something else. Very important, remote, working remotely, you have, to, you have mm-hmm. to. I think at this juncture, remote mm-hmm. work is where we, some of us are headed. So yes. if you know how to work remotely, that's a really good skill to have. In hand. exactly exactly yeah. with the
1: remote you know like especially with this remote kind of setup so oh, communication is essential very very essential yeah because no one is in the next room where you're gonna walk to them and then just ask them something this is a person who's ever in another continent so you just have to make sure that whenever you guys meet you are able to you know communicate with each other and you are following on the same things cool oh, yeah
0: very important. Yeah, that's a really good thing to note. And then something else. Do you feel mm-hmm. like, just as a by-the-way, do you guys mm-hmm. use ATS, the application tracking system, when recruiting for design roles and Department. shortlisting? Okay, so i worked
1: in, in environments where we didn't choose an ATS and an environment where um, we've used ATS. right?
0: So, yeah.
1: like for the environment where we've used the ATF, yeah, I've, I've worked at that scenario. Uh, and, mo- and in most cases, um, like the ATS usually goes through your resume. Um, so usually look at like a different um, requirements, right? So if it notices that you don't have like some of the requirements that the, the job description um, asked for, um, some, of, some of the it's are usually like automated, so they end up um, removing your, or rejecting your application, rather, right? Um, so what I could say um, is, especially if you're applying for jobs that, you, like, the, the, your resume will definitely go through an ATS. It's really to your advantage if you can really try to break down your experience on your resume. Don't just go and indicate that. I did this and that at this company from this year to this year, and then on the next one, I did this in this company from this year to this year. Like you're just dating your the title and the year and the company, but you're not really breaking down what you did at that company. Right. for like for such resumes that are very summarized, they usually tend to be rejected by those application tracking systems. Right, but if you if you if you tend to break down your experience. Um, there's usually like a good um, chance that your application is actually going to be accepted. But in as much the, as they're automated, the, the recruiters also do go through the resumes themselves just to make sure that they're valid. That they are valid enough,
0: or the enough to either be rejected or advanced to the next level. That leads me to a question. I'm very curious. Like. Mm-hmm i'm inexperienced i don't have experience so there's nothing much i can put Mm -hmm. under the experience belt because under the experience you will now have these action action words you implemented you directed you designed you developed so Mm -hmm. how am i going to make the cut if like i don't have experience all i have is skills Mm. okay what I can say is,
1: especially for design applications, most of them are really, like, viewed, um, like, visually, like, more reviewed instead of being taken through the ATS system. Because for the designers, it's really, you can, it's not like the, like, for, for tech jobs, you can just, like, if the system can just check, like, what they have put down under the skills section. But, like, for designers, it's really hard to just that. So most of the time, what people or the coaches or hiring managers usually look at is see if your resume has a link to a portfolio. Uh, like if your, if your resume has a link to a portfolio, and they go and see that your portfolio is good, they will advise your application to the next stage. So, cool. but if you're if you're if you just got a resume, but you don't have um, an application, then. I you don't have a link to your portfolio, then there's a higher chance that your application is going to be rejected. So you see
0: so the, the truth
1: is uh-huh. your resume will tell you like completely. I, yeah. I, I need to see in a for the how will I even know that what you said on your resume is true. That like you I need I need to see like a natural project that you work on. Even though it's one project on your resume. When you if I invite you for an interview and of course, I'll ask you if you have any other projects that you've worked on that are not necessarily in the resume, and I'll give you an opportunity to, to, um, to showcase those projects, right? But at least one project just um, convinced me of
0: what you're saying about in your resume. Cool. So you see, guys, we need to put a portfolio link in our resume. It will really yeah. help. Yeah. A mm-hmm. clickable mm-hmm. one, right? Yes. Yes. And something else. Uh, what common blunders have you seen so far, time and time mm-hmm. again when you're reviewing resumes and portfolios for design role applicants? Mm-hmm. What are the um, things you should stop doing?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I think I could say one one the one thing that I've caused is to especially in resumes is candidates not like, breaking down the experience, I'm right? Because sometimes if you work as a designer uh, at a certain company. You can kind of like, you know, break it down in terms of, you know, I worked, I worked on certain and certain projects. I designed, you know, like I talked to users and designed use you cases know, and did user journey mapping and all that kind of stuff. Just to like show that you, you know what you're actually talking about, right? So some, the one thing or the blender that I keep seeing is candidates not detailing lots their experiences on their resume or their LinkedIn profile. And like that is really a third thing. Like, the resume or your profile is the first stage of you selling yourself. You really have to sell yourself before I even go and look at your portfolio. Like, show me you have at least some level of potential, so that when I go and look at your portfolio, I'm like, yeah, this one I can definitely invite for an interview. The other thing that I usually see, and then it's mostly um, pertaining to portfolios, is um like, candidates not, like, breaking down their project. So the candidates usually go and just write the project and then, like, a summary of the project and then maybe link just... If the project is a live project, then they link the, pro- the... They attach the link to that project. You do not go to an extra mile to really break down how you really tackle that project from the beginning to the end. So that's another blunder that I usually see because when you're looking at portfolios, you're trying to... I'm trying to look at... Do you have an understanding of the design process? And you need to use your project to showcase that you have an understanding of the design, um, of the design process. So that's another blunder that I could say, I've, like I've noticed um like candidates do over and over again. You have a portfolio, but then the portfolio not selling because you've just listed your project, but you haven't done much other than listing, other than listing
0: those projects. So, yeah. Cool. And a quick mm-hmm. question um yes. is it acceptable I, I don't know just someone someone asked is it yeah. acceptable for people to copy other people's designs and put up in their portfolio so if i see something hot on for example dribble or on someone's mm-hmm. linkedin profile and i'm like oh i like i like that let me take that and put it in my portfolio or in the case of a graphic designer really like Mm -hmm. this logo and I'm like, man, I want to showcase this in my portfolio. Is it okay? Because no, as as designers, you know, Mm -hmm. we've got this inspiration from different places. And (laughs) yeah, like, I know it's wrong, but is it? Um, Yeah, Yeah, someone was wondering, but Okay. I I i, I, can, say I can answer okay. it say not
1: Uh i say I, I uh-huh. uh, Like if you if you if you create your own or if you if you do if you create some design having been inspired by someone else's work that is helpful. But going and taking somebody else's design and then putting it up in your portfolio, and that's wrong. Okay. That 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 is very really wrong. And you know the the bad thing about that is like you may even attract um you may end up attracting the recruiter, the hiring manager, like with your portfolio, because they're seeing that. Maybe not, they may not even be aware that that's someone else's design, but then they'll definitely uncover you very, very soon, right? Because they may see that, okay, your portfolio is very interesting. Let me invite this person for an interview, right? And then you're either given a design challenge to do, but then you end up performing very it. And like at that point, that's when they will be like, there's even such questions are the projects in this person's portfolio even give is the kind of work that he or she is you know, like delivering to us right, so it makes you like even more like it can end up backfiring for you unless <laughs> you're very technical so I wouldn't advise but it can like it can end up backfiring for you like big time. but i have actually seen that where someone like we saw like the project that they have done but it wasn't really clear whether he's the one who was leading the project for or, or I guess, like, the teammates that actually did that project right so the the, the, the portfolio was like, really good we invited the candidates the, we had the candidates do a design challenge when the candidate gave the challenge, back we looked at it and then we had to go back to the portfolio and really see whether he's the one who did those designs or it was either one of the team members that actually did those very yeah, so I would say that, um, like if you're going to like have design on your portfolio, then if you are inspired by someone else's design it's fine. But put your own kind of styling onto it. Like put your own design signature on on whatever that you're putting up on your portfolio. And another thing that I would also advocate is if you put a project on your portfolio that you work as a team, give credit where you're due. Don't say that you that you work, you guys work on a project as a team, but then you kind of assume that you're giving all the credit to yourself. Right? Just give credit for it
0: due, you, the it tends to show that you're a person who can work with the team. Cool. And you've mentioned takeaway assignments. It's just brought up some. I have a question. All of a sudden, yeah. I just thought of this question, and I think it's really important to ask. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Like you give given takeaway assignments, you're given a problem to solve, and mm-hmm. maybe your designs are good, and mm-hmm. maybe they call you for the interview, and maybe you don't make it. And mm-hmm. then you find yourself mm-hmm. in a position whereby they're using your design to solve that problem. It's actually a real-life problem. What do you mm-hmm. do then? Of course, you'll cry. You'll cry and you'll be shocked. But what yes. else? Tears won't help me. What should I do?
1: True, true. Okay. So, like, and that actually um, makes me remember uh, like a discussion that I've seen on Twitter several times where people are always asking whether, you know, like designers should be given like, you know, take home assignments or design challenges to do. Some people don't think it's like an ethical thing to actually do. And I understand because of those peers where you end up designing, like, like, a, like for an internal project, they don't give you the job and you still end up using your design. And I think that's one of the reasons that it is actually discouraged, right? But then at the same time, it's really hard for some companies to just take you in if they can't really gauge, um, like, your skills. And some of them usually use design challenges to do that. What... what what I can say is, some of the some of those situations are 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 uncontrollable. As a designer, maybe if you feel that you're not comfortable in a like, doing a design challenge be given by a company, it's totally fine to just back out and not do it and not proceed further with pursuing that job. If you're okay with doing it, just keep an open mind. Um, do it. You may never know. They might end up you know, like hiring you out of it. Um, um, I don't know how, how many, I don't know how many, I don't think the, where they teach you the other news in, in their project. Something that has happened a lot. And it has happened sometimes, but I don't think it has happened a lot. Um, but I could say it's more like, it's more bad news, right? Yeah, because yeah. On past, on, despite the conversations happening online, some companies will co- will still continue using design challenges as part of their hiring process. And it's up to you as the candidates. Um, whether to either apply to those companies or not. Um, and just kind of go with the flow. But what I could say especially for like companies um like um like com- a company that I've recruited for, mm-hmm. like they did use a design challenge but it's not for like an internal product. It's just like a design challenge that you used to use for candidates as a hiring. Just like a pro- a standalone thing on its own that they didn't follow up in terms of like implementing internally. Right. So whether a candidate passed or didn't pass, their work wasn't taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. I mean Mm -hmm. not given like the Mm -hmm. given due credit. Right. So there are companies that usually do that. But then there are also those companies that just take people's work and don't give them credit. And it's not design alone actually. Even developers, the companies where they send you like a, a, a a technical test to do. To design a certain part of a code, then they tell you you haven't qualified, and then the next time they're using your code to like to implement a feature or something.
0: You know? So do. it's
1: something that, yeah, it's something that has been happening. So it's, I think it's really like, entirely up to the candidates. If you feel if you're not feeling comfortable doing the design challenges, then don't proceed with that job, Then go and look for a job that won't ask for those design challenges. But that's
0: great, though. <laughs> 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 I don't know if I'll have a choice. Yeah, <laughs> the thing
1: is, the thing is, most companies usually have technical test for candidates. So if you don't wanna do that, like I don't know how many companies you'll find that don't offer it. To be honest.
0: Yeah, most
1: so, most, most do. do. <laughs> so, most do most. Yeah. Do. Like, so it's just like kind of trusting the process and hoping that. They won't end up using your design
0: and not giving you credit cool i think i have two more questions then we'll wrap it up for another hot one next time Celio. yes so do you feel like there's a mismatch between the job requirements and the compensation imagine you're doing graphic you've you've gotten the job and you're supposed mm-hmm. to do the graphic design bit of it to do that the print to some extent mm-hmm. that social media, you're supposed to do the screams and flows, you're supposed to do the writing. And the compensation isn't what, isn't, I, I don't know even how to put it in words. It's seen us, mm-hmm. I think if I can put it that way, it's seen us. And sometimes mm-hmm. as designers, we feel like we're being taken advantage of because there's so, so much, much work and the pay is just like, you're wondering if it's even worth it in the first place like you feel like you're being taken advantage of and to mm-hmm. be honest, most African uh, companies are doing that. Like there's some which are really stepping up and paying their developers as well, paying their designers as well. But on the mm-hmm. other hand, there some companies which are just taking advantage of the talent and the desperation yeah. of, of people who have been out here, jobless and they're just going to grasp at any opportunity. So, do you, what What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I could say yes. There is
1: a mismatch between um, like the job requirement and the compensation, and like based even on that mismatch is what that is the reason why some companies tend to take advantage. But, like I feel like there's still some companies who haven't really um, gotten to a level where they need to understand that there's a difference between like a ux UI designer and a graphic designer to really like understand that these are two different jobs and you can't really pay them the same way. And then I think another thing that I could say is like the African landscape and, and like the, the landscape abroad are very different. Right? cause it's like, the same designer jobs like abroad, like they're paid like really well. But here the rates are very different. And it's like the kind of reality that we we have to like navigate and just educate these people to be able to see the value that UI and UX designers bring into different companies for them to really understand that these are jobs that need to be like, paid well. Because the, the it, reason is because some of these people don't like to um, like designer jobs a lot of weight, like they give developer
0: jobs. And like, it's a very sad reality. Yeah, because imagine. I'm making a product which is going to make you money, way more money that than you'll ever think of ever repaying me in a year, and you're not mm-hmm. willing to invest in me. It's, it's like really sad. But because yeah, yeah. I'm desperate, and I've been jobless, and I'm mm-hmm. out here being haunted to get a job for the sake of getting a job and getting those peanuts I have to, and... Those ads are crazy. That work is a lot, but you have to. It's a really sad reality.
1: Yeah, what I can say is that like, I would love for like, design roles to like, be paid better than what they're being paid right now. Uh, but I feel like there is a bit more education that and appreciation than this to take place for these people to, to like really see the impact that design people bring into the company. Like right now, I can say like designers, designers are uh, actually are, are like at a much better place than UX researchers. Going to stakeholders in a company and trying to enable them to realize the benefits of UX research in a company—it's not an easy job, especially in, like in the African in the African landscape. Right? So before they really get and un- like understand and appreciate the existence of this kind of role, um, they really need to like be educated and see the practicability part of it. So I feel like in as much as it's something that we want these people to fulfill, it's also um, like our responsibility to educate these people and make them see the practicability and the advantage of actually having these roles. So that they see that they are, and these roles are really, really crucial in our company for them to actually be paid Um, you know, like, the the rates that they actually deserve. So, yeah, it's true. There is a mismatch in the job requirements and compensation. But mostly, I would say in the African, in the African landscape. Because I've recruited for roles, um, like, in the States, and that's a different story. Like, those who are paid well. Their compensations are really good for
0: designers. They're living the American dream, like, for real.
1: (laughs) Oh, I, really, uh, I was looking at, like, their rates. Oh, my God, those guys are paid well. Just, like, wow. And I think, even you know, that's why, like, a lot of, even like, talent, like, design talent. We end up looking for, like, opportunities for jobs, remote jobs like, companies there, right? Because, you know, like, they're paying well. So you feel like your work is
0: actually being appreciated. Sad but true. Mm-hmm. So I think I've just seen one more question, but I'll put it as a last one. So mm-hmm. as a recruiter, what do you expect to see in my portfolio? Okay, okay, that's a really good question. Yeah. Um, so as I said before,
1: your portfolio is supposed to highlight four things about you, how you work, uh, your case studies or projects that you've worked on. So in this event, if you've been in the field, three to four projects and focused studies are good. If you're new, one to two, I, I, one to two projects are okay to showcase in what you do. So in summary, your portfolios are supposed to show me what you've been working on and how you work, essentially your approach to work. Right? So I'm going to break it down in terms of what you really expect to see in somebody's portfolio. So the first thing is your portfolio should be well-designed. I mean, you're a designer.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you're a designer,
1: and your portfolio is looking some kind of way. I'll be like,
0: uh, question marks
1: <laughs> Exactly, right? Like, it speaks a lot. Like, what we see. So it's really like when you're meeting someone for the first time, it's really the first impression we usually have about you. So the same thing. When I come across your portfolio, the way I see that, the first impression it makes it makes to me. That's how I'm going to like. That's the kind of. Um, like mentality that I'm going to carry through right? So you need, you need to make sure that the portfolio is well designed, right? Yeah. And then another thing that we usually look at um, the portfolio, we really look at your level of know-how and understanding of a design job. So being a designer, it is expected for you to know and understand the design process. And the best way to portray that is through your portfolio, right? So when I talk about the design process is, For example, if you if you work on a certain project, maybe you're building like a a fintech solution, you need to show your process from you know empathizing with the users to creating user persona, um, creating user flows, the user journey map, and then creating wireframes, and then creating the screens, and then prototyping, right? That you need to show that whole design process with your project. For us to be able to see that you have an understanding of the design process, because so sometimes the reason why you really look at that is if we are recruiting for a certain company, the hiring managers will say that um, we need candidates with strong portfolios. And when we, what we mean by strong portfolios is the candidates needs to have a good understanding of the design process, so their projects need to portray that. So if hiring manager, in the hiring managers indicate that, then we have to go looking at the projects in the portfolio whether they truly do portray that you have an understanding of the design process. Another thing that we also look at is a little bit of display of success. And by this, I mean, like, does your portfolio highlight your ability to work in teams? So if you worked on a certain project, did you, um, did you work with it in a team? So like, if you work in it in a team, have you listed down the roles of those people that are on the team? And then at the same time, which what specific role were you in that team? Um and then like are there any projects that you've led before? And this really plays well especially for people who are applying for like senior roles in your portfolio. Do you have any projects that you have been like the lead designer? Right. So we always look for such for such things. And then another thing that I'd love to point out, especially for like the case studies of the project that put people put up on their portfolios and your case studies that should be relevant to the job role that you're applying for. Let's say for example you're applying for a UX designer role, your project needs to showcase like an end to end design process, as I said before, from emphasizing the users to prototyping. If you're applying for a UX researcher, you then your work needs to be able to highlight your research skills or the UX research process. To ensure that the case studies that you have, if you have so many um, case studies in your portfolio, you can remove those that you feel are not relevant to the specific role that you're applying, and just leave those that are, like that are relevant to you know the role that you're applying, and just have at least two to three to four um, that are like diverse, just to be able to show that you are able to work on different types of projects. What I mean by diverse is. If you've designed like mobile apps before, you can have a project that showcases that. If you've designed like desktop, um, like desk, like desktop view apps um, solution, you can have that as well. If you have a, a project where like you did like this whole user research process, usability testing, the other kind of stuff, put that up as well, just so that they, they can see that you also have like the experience. Um, like in the design field. You can design mobile apps. You can design desktop, um, view apps. You can do usability testing. Or these are usually like key skills that people look for in designers. So just use your portfolio to really like sell yourself um, in such aspects. So that is what I could say we usually look for in portfolios.
0: Cool, and I think now in one minute, our final question, in one minute, Mm what are Mm -hmm. some of the challenges you face when recruiting designers and also your research stuff you're a researcher right so what Mm -hmm. are the challenges you're facing in one minute because i'm seeing time time flies i don't know how we're in 57 minutes now wow i did wow it just flew by us yeah
1: Okay, um, so for me, I haven't, like, experienced so many challenges. So, um, like, though I can mention, too, that I have experienced when recruiting for a design role. The first one is candidates not submitting, um, like, design challenges from time or at all, right? Because sometimes you, like, a candidate may move to the next um, step of stage of interview where they're required to, like, do a design challenge some of them end up like not submitting anything at all and you have to forego them and then the others end up submitting late but then you have sometimes you have to forego them because it just kind of shows that they don't really respect deadlines and you don't really know how that will roll out if they're hired for the job right another thing that another challenge that i could say i've faced when recruiting as well is candidates who want a certain goal but then they are not into the culture of the company. right? So you, you, um, like maybe you've applied for the job as a designer, and you express your interest in the job. right? But then you come with your own rules in terms of how you work or how you want to work. You're not willing to fit into the culture of the company, but then you still want the role. So like having to explain to the candidate that this is the culture of the company um, and if you can't fit into it, I don't think it's a good thing to apply, because you, you really struggle to fit into the culture. That's another challenge that I can say I have experienced. But other than that, um, in terms of, like, sourcing for candidates hasn't been an issue. Um, I think my own time has been now after getting the candidates. So I thought that some don't, um, you know, submit their challenges on time and then
0: those that wrong jobs but then they're not the right fit for it in terms of culture cool i think we've come to an end my safaricom line is beeping <laughs> i think we know okay. that 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 beep with the meaning yes, of that beep yes. so yes. thank you so much and goodbye
1: all right Bye bye